Welcome to the Midwest Film Nerds Podcast. I'm Alex. I'm Willie. I'm Nick. And this week we're going to spend a little time talking about what we've been up to recently. We're going to discuss some film news from the past week, do a full film review, and finally get into some food for thought provided by Willie. Uh, this week our full review is of John Hillcoat's Lawless, and it is the first non-sequel film we're going to be reviewing, by the way. That's the first non-sequel film in, like, what, three years? Yeah. So everything's a damn sequel. Really? Oh, everything else has been a... Yeah. Born. The test yeah. episode was Dark Knight Dark Rises. Night, yeah. Huh. Yeah. <coughs> so. Cool. All right. Um, so just off the top at the beginning here, we have a website, MidwestFilmNerds.com. People should check it out. We've got a few articles up. got the first two podcast episodes up there, too. Um, I wrote an article about how I don't want to watch any movie trailers anymore. And Which I think it's... A pretty good statement to live by, I think. I think it's I think it's a pretty good read. but um, And then I also have a, a John Carter thing that I wrote a few months ago that nobody read anyway. So I did. I'll put it up here so that... I did, too. Well, yeah, okay. Two people, I lived three it people read it. Because we had the discussion. It's true, it's true. <laughs> So, and then uh, Willie, Willie wrote up an article. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I've been on a cabin in the woods high the last couple weeks with the impending Blu-ray release, so... When is it? I decided September 18th? It was September 18th, yep. So, um, yeah. that'll be a Meyer Midnight buy, I think. <laughs> but, um, no, I kind of like Maximum Overdrive. I bought Maximum Overdrive at midnight one time. <laughs> it was really good. Um, but no, yeah, uh, I still have a picture from that night mm-hmm. somewhere. Um... No, so I've been really psyched about that, and I like I like self referential horror movies, so I wrote up a little thing about those. There's some good ones on there. If you haven't seen any of them, check them out because they're totally worth it. Totally Alrighty, worth it. Yeah. So, MidwestFilmers.com. I think anybody who's a host is going to be able to write stuff. And, yeah, uh, there'll be a lot more content I think coming soon from everybody. I've so. got plenty of articles to blast the internet with my opinions. So. This this is your uh, soapbox. Yeah. This is your forum. So. This is my uh, mouth pipe. It is. Yes. It is. Um, whatever a mouth pipe is and hopefully <laughs> I think is bong <laughs> this is my mouth bong <laughs> after uh, after we got this episode in the can I do plan on submitting to iTunes then we'll have an iTunes link so yes wow. we're gonna be official everybody subscribe everybody listening right now isn't official because there's nobody listening but anyway um, I wanted to have a back catalog in there so that people could go back a few episodes absolutely yeah um, other than that, I think that's about it. Sounds about right to We're me. We're ahead in some film news. Yes. All right, so... I don't have internet, I don't have slash films, so <laughs> this is my you're primary lear- news you're, source. You're, you're learning as you're recording. Yeah, I am. That's good. <clears throat> All right, um, so yesterday we got some sad news. Michael Clark Duncan has passed away, which, at the age of 54, from a heart attack. Uh, if you don't know the name, he was John Coffey in The Green Mile. He was also in Armageddon and Sin City. Played Bear in Armageddon. Bear he in Armageddon. He is so sweet in that movie. Seriously. I've never seen Armageddon. I'm anyway. S- that's going on the list of shame. Um, <laughs> um, uh, no, it's on our list of shame. <laughs> there's an amazing scene in Armageddon of Michael Clark Duncan. Yeah. And, and they're trying to track down these different oil driller guys, right? Because they need to go to an asteroid. They need to land on an asteroid. Well, I know, I know. And the, drill it. Yeah. Okay. And <laughs> the cops and the feds and stuff are chasing him. Yeah. And he's on a motorcycle running down the highway. He's just laughing at him as he's driving. <laughs> and it's just the shot of Michael Clark Duncan, like, smiling. Like, so uh, it's amazing. Okay. Well, well, I don't need to watch it now because that's clearly the best scene in the movie. It's, yeah, it is. But anyway, so. Yeah, I, I figured we'd just take a minute to talk about Michael Clark Duncan because he's a fantastic actor. Really, I is. mean, kind of underrated too. I mean, he was actually quite a better actor. Yeah, than he people. he kind of got 
you know, shoehorned into just playing like giant black guy. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, like in Green Mile, he's amazing. Absolutely. Like really intense. That was like, I think that was the role that brought him into the public eye. Yeah. And Green Green Mile is like always overlooked by Shawshank. Yeah. Yeah. Like overshadowed by and overlooked in favor of Shawshank. Both directed by Frank Darabont. Yeah. Both Stephen King King. adaptations. Yeah. Yeah. But like Green Mile, and I read the book too, uh, shortly after seeing the movie for the first time, and the movie still like completely holds up. And I think that I would. Man, in a, in a toss-up, choosing between the two, I would almost lean towards Green Mile just because the performances are so good. There's some powerhouse Everybody. actors in there too. I mean, Plus. you got Hanks, James Cromwell's in there. You got um, David Morse. Yep. Sam Rockwell. Yep. Sam Rockwell. Yeah, all those uh, guys. And, and isn't uh, what's his name's in it? Um, from Walking Dead. Um, I don't know. Dude, which guy? Glenn. Uh, the Asian guy? No, not Glenn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He was like fourth. I was going to say, he was like no, fourth. No, uh, um, well, here you need stands in it too, but that's not who I'm thinking of. The, uh, Dale. Oh, well. Dale's um, in every Darabont yeah, movie, so. Yeah, yeah um, he's in it too. Jeffrey DeMond. Jeffrey DeMond. Yeah, and, and those are, those are all really great actors, but MCD, and the, uh, he stands, he stands right up there with them. Well, he stands above them, literally oh, that's and true. figuratively. That's true. So. Also, he's really good. Uh, he's really good. Uh, yeah. What's the guy's name? He died probably like 10 years ago. Man, my brain is just mush right now. <laughs> normally, hey, I have got this. Uh, with the mustache, he was in like Jurassic Park three. He was a like, character actor. Oh, William H. No, 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 no. no. William H. <laughs> he was in Jurassic Park three. He had a mustache. Yeah, I know who you're talking about the guy who loves the little mouse in yes. Green Mile. Yeah, I don't remember his name. Mr. Bojangles is the name of the mouse. That's what <laughs> it I is the name of the mouse. But that scene where he cups the mouse in his hand—it's so magical. <laughs> it oh, is, fantastic! It I just remember always being like incredibly affected by the the scene where they show John Coffey with the. With the two dead girls, like, yeah. I remember just always being like, "Holy crap, that's intense!" Yeah. It's it's powerful stuff. That whole movie. Yeah, it's so, a good movie. Yeah, we lost a powerhouse. It's very sad. God, what is that guy's name? <laughs> <laughs> now is not the time. Well, I can find out. Yeah, you can carry figure on. it out, and we're gonna carry on. Although I'm dig this deep is... into the recesses of my brain. Well, you're gonna want to talk about this anyway. But The Hobbit has been split into three movies. We've got uh, an unexpected journey, as we always have had in December of 2012, December 14th, 2012. We've got a new title for the second film, which is The Desolation of, Desolation of Smog. That's December 13th, 2013. And then finally, There and Back Again, which was the original title of the second film, is going to be released July 18th, 2014. So we've got a year between the first two, six months between the second two, the Desolation of Smog is a region in Middle-earth where the dragon smog charred the earth. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think about that? I don't know. I'm, I'm noticing that a lot. I think the Harry Potter was the first one to do that, to break... Well, this is like this is even on a whole new level because it's breaking one book into three movies yeah. instead of one book into two movies. Because they they pulled, they pulled the Harry Potter and split it into <coughs> two, and now somehow a third right. one came out of nowhere. But right, but I think that that's that's something that's a trend now because you've got Harry Potter, the final book, two movies. Yeah. Twilight. Uh, Twilight's two movies. Hunger Games is going to be Games. two movies. Yep. I think, honestly, I... Hunger Games is two I don't, movies? It's, it is the last Ugh. one. I don't understand how you can make three films, same director, same creative, same team behind it, yeah. can make three films out of three books, but now needs to make three films out of one book that's shorter than each of those other books individually. <laughs> It just screams money grab. Well, to me. I mean, this is my hope 
for this fact, and I'm hoping that somehow there's a, a mark of discipline that is Peter Jackson is going to be like, these three movies are going to be two hours long apiece. Yeah. And I they'll think, be very solid two hour movies, each of them. I think that's what we can expect. Otherwise, we would have gotten two movies that are going to be like three hours and. Three and a half hours. Yeah. But something tells me that I'm being optimistic there and that maybe we you have three be, movies you that might are be. three I mean, and a half The Hobbit's a quick read. I just reread it like a month ago. Yeah. It's a quick read, but there's a lot to tell. Plus, I've, they said that they were filming what a lot of the Fellowship is up to during The Hobbit. Because it's not... The Hobbit doesn't take place that long before The Fellowship yeah. of the Ring. It's like... Is Frodo... Was Frodo born <clears throat> during yeah, this totally. period? He was He's a alive. Kid. I mean, The Hobbit is like 60, 70 years, I think. Something like that. Before. It's not before uh, Lord of the Rings, yeah. Okay. It's not like... It's no more than 100, that's true. It's definitely okay. less than that. And Smog's arrival is not even 100 years before The Hobbit takes place. He hasn't been around that long either. Okay. But it's kind of interesting. Time's a little more condensed than you would think. Because, like, with Lord of the Rings, like, Sauron, you know, did all his stuff, like, a thousand years ago or whatever. Yeah. But <clears throat> um, I know they said they're going to be... Because Legolas is going to be in it. Um, Gandalf, I mean, Gandalf's obviously in the in the, yeah. in the the movie. Gimli's but Kate, in it too, Kate right? Blanchett is going to be in it, and she's not in the book. Yeah. Um, Elrond is barely in the book, but obviously Hugo Weaving is back. I don't think Gimli is, and Aragorn's not, because Aragorn would be probably not even born yet. Sure, um, sure. But, so I think they're going to be showing a little bit of what the Fellowship's up to. Plus then, if the second movie is called, I didn't know that yet, that's called The Desolation of Smog. Yeah. They might spend some time, I mean the movie, or maybe the second movie will open kind of like the Fellowship opened with like that solid 10, 12 Maybe it'll minutes. be all about Smog. Yeah, about him showing up and fighting the dwarves and all yeah. that. And you'll get a little, you'll learn a little bit more about Thorin's father and like what the dwarves used to be before they were all run out and uh i don't know i think there's there's plenty of room to expand and flesh out the hobbit and still make it okay so i'm i'm kind of okay with the third movie happening but i'm it's more just i'm in, i'm pissed off because i'm impatient and i just want to see want slog and i want to yeah. see i want to see everything because yeah, they won't fruition. even get to him to him until i'm assuming the second movie yeah yeah definitely so, if, uh, I mean, I, I I read The Hobbit years and years and years ago, but I can't remember how me long. Me too. You know. I'm in the same so, boat as you. But you guys should reread it. I mean, it's before the movie comes I'll, out. I it's, probably will, it's, yeah. Seriously, I read it in like two days. But I was also sick, so I was just like sitting on the couch. But it's, it's also, it's also a, a book that's geared more towards children than Lord of the Rings is as well, correct? I don't know. Kind I don't... of. I, that's kind of why he wrote it, I think, but it's pretty dark. I mean, lots of lots of the old children's fiction is darker <laughs> than what we get today. That's true. It was written like 1937 but, or something. But yeah. it's, it's geared more, I think, in language from what I remember and the, the way yeah, he writes simpler. it towards yeah. children. So maybe they're kind of taking that and working it into the movies and making them a little shorter and a little leaner so that I, it's more accessible for everybody. Because I can't imagine bringing like a six-year-old kid to Lord of the Rings, any of those movies. I don't, I don't think stirring. I don't think Peter Jackson's going to make it. I mean, it's still going. I'm sure it'll be PG-13. Yeah, oh, I'm but sure it will. I'm sure it will. But I think just just in the in the schematics of the actual runtime of the movie and the pace of the movie and the way the movie Hopefully flows, I think that he's probably making maybe, it more palatable. Sure, yeah. for for kids to go see. That's what I mean. I would be very happy if it was just three two-hour-long movies that are. That would be cool. But we'll see. Movies, movies in general are getting so long, though, across yeah. the board. Yeah. So, we will see. All right. Um, so, third up, this is kind of something that I put on here just because I care. But uh, Avi Arad has appeared on stage on, in Tokyo to officially announce a Metal Gear Solid movie. 
Mm. Metal Gear Solid, one of my favorite video game franchises. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he he produced uh, many Marvel Studios films or ma- a, many Marvel films at, at Marvel for until Marvel Studios came around. He was like the guy. Well, even Marvel Studios, his his reign at Marvel ended with the Incredible Hulk. Right. He was part of Iron Man, but yep. before that, he was also part of Fantastic Four, Daredevil. He was part of some of the good and some of the bad. Sure. Yeah. And then sure. uh <coughs> since then I think his most successful film has been The Amazing Spider-Man 2. He's been a pretty big force in all the Spider-Man movies too. Yeah. Yep. So yeah. The the thing about this movie is that all of the lore of Metal Gear Solid is bogged down in like horrid Japanese convoluted storylines and weirdness. So, weirdness. It's, it's doomed from the beginning, but well, we know the the movie will be based on Metal Gear Solid, right? The first game. I, I mean, think we know that. I think we? it's in name only. You're gonna have a character named Solid Snake, and then there's people that are pining for Kurt Russell as Big Boss, <laughs> which would be amazing. It makes sense. But, and I say that because Solid Snake is modeled after Kurt Russell from. Well, Escape if from if New they right. if they make it Metal Gear based and yeah. Big Boss is in it, then I guess they'd be okay. I think I think that's more. It, it'll. It'll be called Metal Gear Solid. It'll probably be a weird, the thing convoluted is, like, mixture of Metal Gear to Metal Gear Solid. Metal Gear Solid, the game, is so ripe for movie adaptation. Like it's, it's so, it'd be so perfect. Well, if they just ripped it from the game, yeah, crunched it down a little. Because I mean, shit, Gojo. Oh, sorry, that's my fine. language. Uh, Gojo. <laughs> we were just talking about it the other day. The game, completely unrelated to even talking about a movie. And he said now he can speed run it in like two and a half, three yeah. hours. He can beat it. So yep. it can be done. Absolutely. And the 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 game unravels like, because what I had never played Metal Gear. I didn't know anything about Metal Gear lore until I had played Metal Gear Solid. And like the game unravels everything for you in such a way that it's totally coherent. Yeah. And I mean, it kind of throws you into it. And you're like, who's this character? Who is this? Like, why is, does yeah. he have a clone? What's going on? But they, they unravel it in such a way that it's cool. And most of the fantastical elements don't really get introduced until Metal Gear Solid 2. So, I mean, that's when you get into, like, vampires that can't yeah. die. Yeah, Psycho a Mantis that... is a little fantastic. I think, I think, I mean, I'm yeah. totally down for a film adaptation of Metal Gear Solid, but for some reason, Avi Arad makes me wrinkle my <laughs> nose a little. And But they did say Kojima was, like, exec producing. So. Uh, yeah, so. I, I don't know. I, I think it's one of those things that's unfilmable. I really nah, do. No way. No, nope, I think you thought Watchmen wasn't. I'm just kidding. But Watchmen is unfilmable. Watchmen is unfilmable. <laughs> they did the, the best job they it. could. They did no, the, the best game, job. I think they the could. game's totally filmable. I think so. I, I think it's one of those things like Akira or Dragon Ball. Akira is not it's, filmable. It's too Japanese. Well, it the, will never the nice go thing, Metal is not that crazy though. It's well, really not that it weird. It gets really zany. Not really. The, dude. I think when the, was the last time you played it, the franchise, robots and stuff. I mean, the franchise gets gets the franchise gets there, crazy. There are elements of things that are crazy. The first like, game is pretty straightforward, but though. I yeah. think they're gonna neuter it. I really do. We'll see. We'll see. I don't think they're gonna do it justice, but probably not. But I think it's totally possible with with the right the right hands. It could be. Yeah. I kind of think a lot of it depends on who they choose to write it and direct it, and the star too. Yeah. If they pick, like, you know, Channing Tatum or Gerard <laughs> Butler or something, I'm going to kind of be like... Don't say that yeah, out that's, loud. Yeah, that's me not seeing that movie. Um, all right, anyway, we You'll can You'll see move it on just like that. Willie's going to see Resident Evil 4. I, to see tell you the Resident truth, if they cast somebody like that, I would not see it. But no. Unless the trailer looked amazing. But you don't watch trailers, so it doesn't matter. Exactly, so I'm <laughs> never going to see it. Um, all right. All right. You hear that, Hidale? Alex is never going to see it. <laughs> Your biggest fan... No, I'm not the biggest fan. <laughs> Uh, okay, so next up, 
the ABC Marvel Studios uh, show that was in development by Joss Whedon and, and Marvel Studios has been announced as S.H.I.E.L.D. The pilot's going to be written and directed by Joss Whedon himself. And then uh, Jed Whedon, Marissa Tancheron, and Jeffrey Bell, who is a writer-producer of X-Files and Angel, are all on board as showrunners. Um, Jed Whedon and Marissa Tancheron have written, they wrote the best episodes of Dollhouse. Like, they are the reasons to watch Dollhouse. Uh, they were also involved in Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog. I think they did some writing on Spartacus Season 2, but I don't know for sure. Um, and then finally there's a quote from Joss Whedon that says, it's got to be a show that works for people who haven't seen the Marvel movies. Hmm. So, Fair enough. So what are your guys' thoughts on this? Um, I mean, I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic because it's, on one hand, I think that it's smart and it's safe to take the S.H.I.E.L.D. route for a show yeah. because you can do that within the budgetary constraints of TV. Yeah. And you and you can introduce interesting aspects of the Marvel universe that they're no in no way, shape, or form ever going to act, get to in movies. Yeah. So that's cool. But at the same time, w- how much interesting stuff can they get into with the budgetary constraints they have, and how much can they actually do? Yeah. And and tying it into the the Marvel movies, the Iron Man and and, and mm-hmm. Avengers and all that. That it could lead to some cool guest stars. I mean, well, they, who's to yeah. say they can't get Renner to show up for a guest spot on an episode? Yeah, you know what I mean, or 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 have a flashback with with you know like some of the older Shield characters, or you know maybe like old Nick Fury can show up. Yeah, or like uh, Dum Dum Dugan or something. Yeah, like these there's all sorts of cool little possibilities. So I, we'll see. I don't know. I I'm cautiously optimistic. I like the creative team behind it. Yeah, obviously they've done a good job thus far with in TV and with the Marvel universe. Yeah. So I think I'll have to see some actual news on casting and what yeah. kind of characters. I hope it doesn't There's become, still a lot to be revealed. Sure. And I hope it doesn't become Smallville where like it, it, it doesn't, the show does not carry itself. It just relies on dumping a bunch of random DC yeah. comics characters into the show to yeah. keep it people interested. I hope it doesn't get to that point where it's like, Who's guest starring on S.H.I.E.L.D. this week? Hey, it's Iron <laughs> Fist. Oh, who's on next week? It's whatever. Yeah. I hope it doesn't do that, but I do hope that they have little, at least nods to yeah. other things yeah. from the comics. We'll see. Right. Who knows? What do you think, Nick? I think it's one of those things where it has the potential to be really awesome because of how how much they could do with it, how flexible it could be. At the same time, I am suffering from some serious S.H.I.E.L.D. fatigue, yeah. and I'm really like worn out from every Marvel thing having S.H.I.E.L.D. tied to it and having Nick Fury's stupid face pop up and everything. It's just <laughs> like, it's getting exhausting because I'm like, uh, I mean, I know the whole point of S.H.I.E.L.D. is that they have their hands and everything. And yeah. It's just big, you know, umbrella that oversees everything. But it's, uh, I don't know. I was I was hoping for something a little more inspired. But he makes a good point that it needs to be for, for people who haven't necessarily seen the movies even though I don't know who's tuning in that hasn't. It's You know what I mean? It's kind of a weird thought. Well, but, yeah. Um. I think with it, there's the potential to explore a lot of the B and C list characters of Marvel that are good. But at the same time, I really don't want them to be like, oh, Shield Agent. Here's Moon Knight, Shield Agent. Well, and Iron Fist, Shield Agent. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's not. Maybe it's like we got to deal with. We we need to figure out what's going on in Hell's Kitchen with yeah, these guys and they that can are hint at Daredevil or have Dare- have Matt Murdock show up. Or yeah, something. they could find ways to do it without saying. Yeah, per- I think so. Personally, like my. What I'm thinking it's going to end up turning into is it's basically going to be some sort of 
it's it's going to be along the lines of Alias, and it'll be behind the scenes things to the movies that are happening. It's going to be to the point where you, the three of us, are going to understand that it's behind the scenes in the movie. But I doubt anybody that's at, like any of the mainstream people they're trying to reach are going to know that these could apply to the movies that are going to be released. Sure. And I think, to tell you the truth, some of the superhero aspect to it is going to pull in a little bit of Marvels, like the comic book series Marvels. It's going to be these normal, like, agency people experiencing the the these larger-than-life characters that are all of a sudden more important to them than they, like, more important to them than other things they were dealing sure. with in their sure. life. Kind of like Marvels, almost, where there's this sudden injection of craziness that didn't exist before exactly like and uh, that's what i would want out of it and that's something that i think they are very the the creative team is very capable of bringing to it it's interesting that they have writing credits on x-files it'd be cool if they kind of made the show kind of procedurally like that yeah and i think they could i think i think procedurals are what every studio wants they're pretty pretty popular right now although i was watching law and order last night though just for the hell of it and it was nauseatingly bad well i mean law and order's gone now right Uh, yeah i think it was svu probably Mm. an old episode but i was just like whoa the banter just yeah hang my head in front of the couch and just go but they don't have joss whedon writing so but the thing one of the things that that bothered me about avengers was a lot of the dialogue between the shield agents was really like cheesy i didn't really like it I feel like okay. it didn't translate to those characters well. Either it was the actors or just that those characters are not meant to speak like Thor and Well, I mean, it maybe maybe with lower level shield agents that are somewhat no names or just known in name only in the comics, he'll be able to come up like the the dialogue will fit better. <laughs> they better have anyway. the uh Galaga playing agent <laughs> in in like every episode, that'd be in good. The background. Yep. They can give a name or something like Ted. You know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think uh, I'm not. You know, I was just kind of when I when I read that that was it, I was kind of like, really. But yeah. I'm not against it. I'm just a little disappointed. I mean, it could turn thing. into anything at this point. So it's true. it okay, ultimately yeah, could be horrible, or it could it be could, really cool. And it could be, yeah, a launching pad for a lot of cool stuff. So it could kind of just become this giant multimedia. If, like if this is how they test the waters for Doctor Strange, Iron Fist. All the things that are right. kind of like bubbling up Moon right Knight, now. Black Panther. I'm all for it. I think that would be fantastic. But. Emphasis on Iron Fist. And uh, Doctor Strange. <laughs> okay, sure. <laughs> okay, so, and then finally we got something we're only going to touch on for a little bit. Uh, Jim Carrey was a, has, a, has been confirmed to be cast in Kick-Ass 2. Kick-Ass came out in 2009, directed no, by no Matthew Vaughn. What's that? No swearing on the podcast. <laughs> Excuse me, I'm sorry. Kick, but, <laughs> no. Uh... But yeah, Kick-Ass came out in 2009, directed by Matthew Vaughn, starring uh, Aaron Johnson and Lindsay Fonesca and Nick Cage and and McLovin. Yeah, McLovin. Chloe. Chloe. Moritz. Yeah, Chloe Moretz. Yeah. And uh, I liked... Mark I liked, Strong. Yeah, Mark Strong. I liked Kick-Ass <laughs> a lot. I thought it was a so lot more I. fun than I assumed I was going so to have when I, I walked into the theater. Uh, that being said, I don't know how much I care about a Kick-Ass sequel. But having Jim Carrey in it makes me care about it a little oh, more. Absolutely, because I I enjoy myself. He's gonna Jim be Carrey. Fire Marshal Bill. There's a reason. <laughs> there's a reason that I own Bruce Almighty on DVD and pop it in every once. And it's in a Jim while. Carrey. It's not Jennifer Aniston. No, it's not. It's actually Philip Baker Hall. Ah. Yes. No. Well, Touche. Yeah, but. Um. No, I think. Uh, 
It's early. Jim season, Jim Carrey, I think this would be cool for him. This might be a little bit of a, I mean, it might be too early to say, but maybe a little career revitalization for him. It might be you know? a way for him to expand a little bit. Yeah. Not that he, you know, we all remember his fantastic comic book performance in uh, Batman and whatever the name of that. I don't care what anybody there. says. He was awesome in that movie. <laughs> um, no, I, I think it'll be it'll be cool because he'll be able to. I don't know a ton about the character or anything, but from what I from what it sounds like, he's a pretty nasty fellow. So, I it's gonna be interesting. He'll be able to cut loose, and you know, I mean, Kickass is gonna have plenty of blood and guts and yeah, profanity. So it should be interesting to see Jim Carrey kind of do that. Hopefully, better than what was that one movie he did where he was like a serial killer or something? Number twenty seven. Number twenty three. Number twenty three. That was not a very good movie. Never that was not it. the right avenue to take Jim. <laughs> Insomnia worked for, for uh, Robin Williams. His re-teaming with Joel Schumacher <laughs> did not did not pan out. Yeah, well, we'll see. It could be pretty cool. I'm sure we'll probably end up reviewing it on here. So we'll More see. Than likely. What are we going to be reviewing? Kick-Ass 2 oh. at some point. At some future. juncture. All right. Um, so I think we're going to move into our review of Lawless or what should have been known as the wettest county in the world. Yes. Because that... Such a good name. The wettest county in the world is much more interesting than Lawless ever was. Or Outlaws, which or I keep calling it. Outlaws, <laughs> which is what Willie will probably outlaws. call it. Why do I keep calling it Outlaws? Lawless is just... Why? Why is, why is it called Lawless? Because no laws. Because one-word titles are something that... But the whole movie is Laws. It's just... It's Prohibition era. That's Laws. I don't know. <laughs> well, we can get to that. But anyway. Uh, so, we're going to... We're going to... I'm... We're going to talk about general ideas here first, and then we'll move into spoilers if and when we feel necessary. Right. So, uh, directed by John Hillcoat, screenplay by Nick Cave, starring Tom Hardy, Shia LaBeouf, Guy Pearce, uh, Jason Clark, Jessica Chastain, Gary Oldman, many, many other Noah people. Noah Taylor. Noah Taylor, yes. Noah Taylor's very important. Absolutely. Uh, so... The IMDb synopsis for the movie is set in Depression-era Franklin County, Virginia. A bootlegging gang is threatened by a new deputy and other authorities who want to cut their profits. The bootlegging gang being, of course, uh, Shia LaBeouf's character, uh, Jack Bondurant, and his two older brothers, Howard and uh, Forrest Bondurant, played by Jason Clark and uh, Tom Hardy, respectively. So... Yeah, what do you, what did you guys think of the movie overall? Um, I didn't hate it. <laughs> I I did I didn't love it. I I don't know. I I guess ultimately I was left thinking to myself, a why should I care about any of these people? They're all pretty horrible people. <laughs> okay. All of them, every single one of them. Fair There's point. There's nothing nothing redeeming about really any of them. Yeah. Except for maybe one or two characters. But yeah. We'll get into that. Yeah. And then secondly, I. There's really, like, with the exception of Shia's character, there's really no character arcs in this movie. It feels like nobody makes any real progress at all. You you saying this is pretty fairly apparent to me. Like, I, yeah, like, I, that, like, nobody grows. That's true, I think. Even when the buff tries to grow, which we'll talk more about, it, it doesn't quite and, feel... And, well, Guy Pierce kind of falls off the ledge which in a sense guy is pierce some goes sort of from like one of the most fantastically menacing villains i've seen in a long time like really cool and quirky and weird and creepy and gross like makes you want to take a shower after you watch him on yeah. screen 
to so far over the top, <laughs> I was laughing at him at the end of the movie. <laughs> it was too much. We'll get there. Fair but enough. all in all, it's worth a rental. I wouldn't go to the theater to see it if it weren't for this. Um, wouldn't watch it again. But I didn't hate it. So. Okay. Quite the ringing endorsement. What do you think, Nick? Uh, I liked it. I think... Uh, I mean, I I like John Hillcoat a lot, so I was kind of... I like the whole team behind it a lot, so I was kind of hoping for something really sweet. But I think... I don't think you necessarily have to see it in the theater, but I do think it's a good watch. It didn't benefit from theater. I think it's entertaining. Yeah. And it's not... I liked yeah. it, though. Um, everybody in it's pretty good. I think with the exception of Shia... Didn't, don't really like him. Didn't really like him before the movie, and the movie didn't change anything for me with that. He felt like he didn't really try. Like, everybody in the movie was interesting in some way, except for him. He was just kind of there. So, I don't know. Like, it was a pretty straightforward movie. Like, even Gary Oldman kind of didn't do much with his limited screen time. Yeah. But some of the actors seemed like they, they kind of, well, Tom Hardy, of course, tries to make his character interesting in some strange way. And, uh, you know, everybody could have shown up and played it by the numbers, but I think some of the cast, like Guy Pierce and Tom Hardy, most notably, actually tried to create some interesting original characters, and I appreciated that. Yeah. Um, I liked the fact that it didn't have, like, a straight A to B plot, like, this is the setup of the movie, this is the plot, watch the plot, the plot is over. I, I liked that it kind of wandered around a little bit and just kind of studied the characters and... um. I was underwhelmed by the soundtrack. I was expecting a really awesome Nick Cave soundtrack, but yeah. it was just kind of like crazy banjo and violin, and then like <laughs> lots of like weird source music. But I don't know if the source music was stuff written by him or not, because I didn't recognize any of it. So it could have been. Yeah. But I mean, it wasn't bad. It fit the southern theme at the very yeah. least. Yeah. But the like Nick Cave soundtrack for the assassination of Jesse James is so good. So good, and uh, I was kind of hoping it's something on that level. His soundtrack to the to. Uh, um, the proposition is interesting too. It's really weird, but it's at least interesting. This one I was just kind of like, eh. But uh, I don't know. I haven't really thought too much about what I would give it numerically. I just yeah. kind of like thumbs up. I liked it. Yeah. I felt like I needed subtitles for the first like twenty minutes of the movie. Though <laughs> it did take me a while to understand what what everybody was saying, especially Tom Hardy. And I'm like, come on, Hardy. It was so good. Just. Speak like a normal person. I, I, it was, it was kind of weird. I felt like in the beginning, I was like, Tom Hardy's got another strange accent this summer, but I, I, I grew into to liking it. I should do a dramatic reading of Tom Hardy. Right now. <laughs> Are you ready? I'm gonna do it. Here we go. Okay. <laughs> That's Tom Hardy. It was so good. Well, yeah, all the grunts that he gave were pretty. They were so well he was really good. Everybody was really good, and I disagree with Shia. I think Shia did a good job with what he had to work with. I'm I'm okay with Shia, but I think his character sucks. Shia's character sucks. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah, his character sucks, but I don't think he. I don't know why you guys think he did like a good job though. I didn't he think was he was. Kind of I didn't there. think he was standout. I didn't think it was. There's anything about him that like blew he didn't, my mind. He didn't do anything to make me hate. The performance. He was all right. You know, I would he, I would have rather seen like a, a better younger actor though. Like every movie I see Shia LaBeouf and people always are like, oh I like him. And every movie I watch him in, I'm just like, why? He is the same in every. Even in this movie, he was the same. 
same character I've seen him play in every movie. I expected him to seriously be running and be like, shit, 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 at some point. <laughs> like in every Transformers movie. Expect him to be all optimist. The, the best movie I've lungs. seen him in was Holes, and that movie sucks. So, I mean, there are so many like talented actors around his age. Like, give me someone who's good. He's marketable, though. I don't, yeah, but I don't care. <laughs> it doesn't make they me do. think he's good. Yeah, well, I mean. Give me, like, you know, I don't know, anyone who's like Anton Yelkin. Like, or Emil Hirsch. Emil, yeah, Emil Hirsch or Gordon Levitt. I mean, he's a little bit older, I think, but he, could, he looks young. I don't know. Just, I don't know. The rest of the cast is so good. They're all, like, legit, like, good actors. I'm kind of like, whatever. I mean, yeah, there's there were a lot of other people that could have been chosen, but given the circumstances, I don't think Shia LaBeouf wasn't particularly bad. No, and, no. And, you know, but I, I can understand. I guess I was just bored by him. He wasn't bad. It was just... It yeah. Was boring. Yeah. Um, it was like Hugo Weaving and Captain America. It wasn't bad. But it was boring. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Tom Hardy and Guy Pierce are the standouts in my opinion. I spent half of the movie being like, "Why does Guy? P- why is Guy Pierce so off off-putting?" And Nick kind of leaned over and said something about how he had no eyebrows. And then he I was has like, no that is eyebrows. Exactly it. It's really. Crazy. I was surprised by Guy Pierce because I mean I love Guy Pierce and yeah. he's always solid, but I I didn't think he would take his i'm gonna make this character memorable to such an extreme i was like very surprised that part down the middle of his head is disgusting (laughs) it's flat out there's nothing about him as a chicago accent is really creepy too like he definitely took like gangster era chicago (laughs) accent and i was like man he's like he nailed that and hardy for the most part nailed the southern draw i was surprised by the two yeah Imports uh, nailing their American accents. Hardy's always been good with accents. So, I mean, Warrior, he was pretty spot on with yeah. the. He had the kind of Brooklyn-y like north, yeah, accent, northeast. So, but yeah, they, he's always been he's been good with accents. I always, as much as I enjoy him, and I'm always like, man, he's such a good actor. Every time I see him in a movie, I'm like, damn, he's a really good actor. It always surprises <laughs> me for some reason. But showing up to this movie, even. Even like looking at the promotional images and stuff like that, I was like, whatever, Tom Hardy's just gonna be in it and he'll like this is like a paycheck thing, but it, even that it wasn't. He like tried to bring something no, to the Yeah, and I think he, really he doesn't try to waste his screen time. I think he tries to make an interesting mark on That's the movie. what separates the really good actors from the eh, Yeah. From the Shia LaBeouf. It's funny because right? when you when you see interviews with Tom Hardy, he seems so so chill about everything. He's just like a dude. He yeah. he's not like one of those like I am an actor who believes in the craft and yeah. all that. He's just like some guy who, you know, hangs out and whatever. And then he shows up on set and, I don't know. I think that's why he's, that's yeah. one of the reasons that he's so good. Um, I thought the direction was pretty plain. I <clears throat> yeah. mean, it. There were a couple was, moments that were really, really cool. Nothing really sticks out in my mind. And I mean, one of the other things that I wanted to say is that they're like, they're, I didn't feel like they had some really cool locations, but there were never any shots that were like that took my breath away or anything like that. And I think there could have been like the you mean the, of just like the scenery and stuff. Yeah, like they well, there was some really cool scenery. Like uh, I you feel know, like we can't get into this until we. Hit well, the no, I'll just there. say two thirds through the movie, there's this kind of like a willow wisp kind of yeah like area that they're in, and and it should have. I feel like it should have looked a lot prettier than than it ended up looking, but. Yeah, it's a cool picture of this, a cool portrait of the South, I think, some of the parts. Like, yeah. There's some really cool stuff they do in, in scenes with snow, too. Yeah. There were some and, cool well, shots that's, of that. That's true, that's mm. true. I did the, anytime the snow was on screen, it I was It looked really like, pretty, but yeah. I, th- I don't think there was anything that I was like, oh my god, this is gorgeous, you know? Like, Not like in yeah. the Killing Them Softly trailer. 
we'll talk about that some other time uh and like you said i mean the plot meandered a little bit and that wouldn't have bothered me so much if i didn't feel like it affected the pacing the movie's an hour and 50 minutes long and i came out of it thinking it was like two and a half three hours long pacing was definitely weird yeah it it did feel longer than it actually was like i said like i said when it was over it felt like the first half of the movie was tom hardy was the lead and then the second half it was more like shia took over yeah but i mean and and these these are somewhat uh you know stupid complaints or they're not they're not they didn't detract from the movie completely for me but i think it could have been something really special if you know the movie had a little more momentum to it and and some of the some of the shots were a little more they had a little bit of flair to them instead of you know God, the marketing for this is so bad. The the <laughs> movie overall, if it had a little bit more polish to it, I think, in 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 every just, I mean, it's not like, it's not a bad movie, but just a that little extra oomph, yeah, in most of the areas, yep. you know, I mean, and I think it could have been more than what it was, mm-hmm. you know. It was this movie certainly isn't more than the sum of its parts. It's, it's not. It's just about what its parts equal. Yeah, you know? as it stands, it's just kind of a a, a story of of. And I, historical well, story that is just kind of eh, it's, I mean I, th- I think the story is pretty was a lot of fun and it seems like they packed a lot of the the thrill in the last the last third of the film and there certainly isn't enough there to cover a whole movie but I feel like uh, some of the meandering in the beginning I mean you, you certainly spent some time getting to know the characters but like you said there's not a lot of development for a lot of them yeah, and, and another thing I just thought of too is that when it comes to, like you were saying, the build to the final bit of the movie, the final act, yeah, yeah, when when things really pick up, um, it felt like there were like five or six false builds, like ooh, it's gonna get crazy now, and yeah. then nothing happens, and they're like ooh, now now it's definitely gonna get intense. Nope. Yeah. Now we're just gonna watch a scene of something, someone talking to somebody else. Yeah. You, you keep thinking, you get all these false starts, like now we're getting into the crazy stuff, and then it doesn't, and then by the time you do, you're kind of like. All right. Yeah, We're and I think now. if that was rectified, then it probably some of the pacing would have been as weird too. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, we can get into it more in spoilers. Sure, but. sure. Overall, though. Overall, I mean, I I enjoyed it, but you know, I it was worth a five dollar matinee, but uh, especially if you're interested in Tom Hardy and and, and the people involved. But, uh, you don't really have to rush out to see it. I don't. As Nick said, I don't think being in the theater was much of a service to it. I think you can just. Pick it up when it's out on DVD. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. rental. <laughs> yeah, I mean it, it's it's a entertaining rental if you if you like the people who are involved. So there you go. Any other thoughts before we move into to spoiler territory? I think we're ready for spoilers. I think this marketing is terrible. I'm looking at the poster right now, and it's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> when the law became corrupt, outlaws became heroes. <laughs> That's nothing what this movie's about whatsoever. No, 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 no there's, there's, certainly. there's guys with Tommy guns. Here's Shia LaBeouf looking down with a shotgun in his hand like he's a badass, which he's not <laughs> in the whole movie. Just goofy looking. Yeah, I don't, I don't think any of that helped. No. no. I'm glad I didn't really watch much before seeing it i mean i like the fact that the the that poster of him is played to comedic effect in the film the poster with him flexing with the two guns yeah which everybody was laughing at online they were like shia labeouf is trying to look so hard right yeah. now and then you see it in the movie in in context and you're kind of like uh yeah. that's really funny yeah, yeah. so but all yeah right, cool. all right well, well we're gonna take a quick little break and then we're gonna move right into spoilers. watch out for shia's guns yeah 
They're, they're Which tired. ones? The ones connected to his shoulders or the ones in his hands? <laughs> Both. <laughs> All right. All right, so we are in spoiler territory for Lawless. Stay far away if you have not seen the film. Yeah. Or if you don't care about spoilers. So, um, what do we want to talk about spoiler-wise? Um, well, we could talk about how intense the scene was towards the middle of the film. Yeah. Where uh, the first time Tom Hardy dies in the movie, <laughs> um, he is Superman. Yeah. You know? Well, yeah. well, that's part of the thing is living up to the legend. Yep. But um, no, that 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 scene and and the and the snow yeah. and, and the way it's shot is very intense. And you, I really, I knew something was wrong. You know, you know something's wrong because he even says it himself. What's going on with this? He's trying to check yeah. the car. Something's yep. wrong with the car. But you, I still didn't see it coming. Yeah. So that was one of those scenes in the movie where I was like, "This is really awesome." Because I. That's true. Not only did I not see it coming, I legitimately thought. I'm like that's it for Tom Hardy, he's yeah, done. Yeah, and that I I certainly thought I I thought even there that Tom Hardy was done. And I, was and I was like bummed. I was like, is there honestly going to be half of this movie with with no Tom Hardy in it? Mm-hmm. And, and then, I'm thinking, well, how does this movie like I'm working out in my head like how does this movie go forward from this point? Yeah. Okay, maybe it's about Shia LaBeouf getting revenge for it's Tom the Hardy. The Janet Lee of this era in Psycho. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler for Psycho. No, it's uh, that was that was really intense. That was really really intense, and I thought that was great. I also thought the um. My favorite scene in the movie is when, early on in the film, shortly after Guy Pierce's character first shows up, he beats the ever-loving crap out of Shia LaBeouf. That was so good. And it was brutal. The most cathartic scene in the movie where everybody is like... (sighs) See, I felt bad. I I legitimately felt bad for him in that scene. I was like... That's horrible. Like his face is destroyed. He was good in that scene, actually. No, he, was. he was. Yeah. Good. He's he was crying like, and asking him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was. I kind of pictured Michael Bay doing that to him on the set of Transformers, <laughs> <laughs> just kicking his face in. Yeah, he had flashbacks to his time on Transformers in yeah. that scene. That's how he really got there, you know, emotionally. No, it was that was really intense. When 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 the scenes are are feel real and gritty and raw like that, and I don't think there's any music in either one of those scenes, is there? I think they were pretty. There might have been a little bit in in the in the throat cutting scene, but I don't remember much in the. But it's it's intense, and and they just kind of let you watch the events as yeah. they're unfolding, yeah. and that's something that this movie does do well. Yeah. Is it lets it just sits back? It almost they just sit back and they let you sh- they show you what's going on. They don't, you know. When there are events unfolding. That is true. They and they make it a point to. Oftentimes there are not events unfolding. Yeah, which isn't isn't a bad thing, but I. You know, we've I think that's there. part of what made the movie feel longer than yeah. it was, though. Um, and I mean, as as far as as far as the Guy Pierce thing, I touched upon this earlier, but um, you know, he really builds himself up as that very creepy, yeah, en- enigmatic villain. Yep. And then the final shootout, it's like this transformation. Like all of a sudden, he turned the dial to eleven. Well, you know? and but you know, I think, I think. Uh, I can understand the transformation because you you get that scene where where Shia takes his girl to the to the still that they have running in the forest and then uh, Guy Pierce's character is tracking them in there. I I love you can tell how how involved I am in a movie with the fact that I don't know anybody's name in the movie, but yeah, that's not uh, right. But so Guy Guy Pierce ends up you know infiltrating the the still and and 
Shia LaBeouf, and like they they get all out of sorts with with Jason Clark's character and Shia LaBeouf's character, mm-hmm. and somehow ends up where Guy Pierce is on the floor, and Shia LaBeouf's got the got the shotgun on him, and you know steps on his face. I mean, to Guy Pierce's character, that's like you just you don't know what you're messing with. Like I am the law. Well, and he didn't even want. I mean, when he was beating down Shia, he didn't even want Shia to touch his like. He was reaching up for Guy Pierce's well, character, yeah, yeah. trying to grab onto him, and he didn't. He was like disgusted that he'd even touch him. So, and I, I, I think the transformation makes sense when you think about the prior events in the movie of what has happened with between Guy Pierce and Shia LaBeouf in particular. Sure, sure. Like you know, by the end of the movie, they are both ready to kill each other. And sure, and I, and I see that. I, I, I get that, but I think it was, I think his character became a little bit. He went over the top. It was a yeah. little much. Um, and then I think the last thing I want to touch upon his, his part grew wider through the, no it did, right, I right. mean it did but kind he of, could shoot know. flames from his eyes <laughs> I thought it was going to happen I swear to god I think his head was going to blow up and an alien was going to come out or something <laughs> um, <laughs> no uh, the last thing I kind of want to touch upon as far as spoiler wise is I I, I I did not dislike Shia LaBeouf in this movie but his character I swear you could make a drinking game out of how many times his plans go awry. Because <laughs> his character is so bumbling and is trying so much to do the right thing or just to boost his own ego in some yeah. situations. And every time he tries to go out on his own, he screws it up. Yep. Every time. I mean, literally up to the last point, I'm like, okay, you know, the, the big character arc for him is he couldn't kill the pig before the credits. He, When he was a kid, he couldn't shoot the pig, and he was weaker than his brothers. Yeah. And I'm like, when he's rolling up in that truck, I'm like, I'm not expecting him to take out every cop at the bridge. But I'm at least expecting him to make some, you know, to, something. to do something. To take somebody out. And then he gets out. shot in the gut, and I'm like, okay, that's it. Yeah. I, I've signed off on this guy. I'm done with this character, because it's like he literally can't even shoot anybody. I don't know. It just... His character was weird. I mean, a weird... I don't know. I don't know why he existed, basically. He was like... I don't know. He ca- he caused all the problems for the brothers. Like, he was... That was his character's purpose, was like, hey, we need to get them into trouble. Go have Shia run off and run out of gas. Yeah. Or go have Shia run off and get and shot I mean, in the face. Or I, it was interesting, because he, kind of he was kind of the impetus to keep... To get to the final big conclusion that kind of ended... I mean, otherwise, the brothers, you know, if uh, if Forrest and Howard had just, like, continued to do their thing, you know, they may have laid under the law. Things would have probably stayed status quo for a long time. Sure. It was like they kind of took Shia's character to to make a, a conflict happen and in order to kind of... To bring it to a head. Yeah, to bring... And then to resolve the story, finally. Because I think they said... Well, I don't know what they really say. After the conflict of the bridge, then they say something about a couple of years. The next year, Prohibition ended, and they kind of go back to their lives. Yeah. And he started running the farm and all that stuff. Yep. It's kind of interesting. I mean, you were saying earlier how none of the characters really had arcs, and I like disagree completely because they do. The movie ends with everybody's arc being closed. But I think that I, I hated that last bit with Shia telling me everything that ever happened to everybody. I, I, I think it. it was good because hated it. it doesn't happen in historical movies too much. Either they end right at the end of the conflict or they keep going far beyond it. It was interesting because they were only bootleggers. They weren't born bootleggers and they weren't. They didn't come from a family of bootleggers. They just did it to make because money. Because it was the Prohibition. So sure. when Prohibition ends, what do you do? Do you just end the movie there? Like I, I thought it was interesting that they kept going and that they, well, for, even for just the five minutes, and said everybody kind of moved on with their lives and they, 
you know, started running the farm and had families. And it, I, I thought it was interesting for that, that it didn't just end with like everybody getting killed at the bridge and then being like, and that was how prohibition ended. Hey, we like, it was, I don't know. I thought it was cool. Well, I mean, it was a little different. I, I was surprised by it. I think I, I'm okay with the little stamp at the end. I mean, the fact that you see Tom Hardy take like seven shots and then the reveal of him being still alive is just him funny. at that table with the grandpa sweater back on. I thought it was awesome, but I still, I can completely, I don't, I don't think that the arcs in this movie were, were particularly good. Like, Tom Hardy's character is, I mean, yeah, he gets married to, to Jessica Chastain's character, but, I mean... Well, Tom Hardy's arc kind of closes halfway through the movie. I mean, because he's kind of this, the whole movie is kind of this, like, just gruff, business-minded, like, screw-you-all kind of attitude. He's, like, clearly just kind of a brute, and when he and Jessica Chastain finally, like, kind of get together... I thought that was like pretty telling for his arc, um, but I feel like I mean it was from from the beginning to the 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 bridge uh, conflict. He's still everything that you just said, but also has Jessica Chastain as a girlfriend. It's not like he personally didn't go anywhere. I didn't feel like I mean yes. It, he he certainly played the person that has never opened up before in the fact that, you know, Jessica Chastain walks into his room completely naked and he's just kind of like... Mm-hmm. It's just so creepy. <laughs> it was amazing, but but it's not... I feel like, I still feel like his character, even by the end of the whole movie, I don't feel like his character went anywhere. And it's an amusing fact that the thing that finally kills him is something as mundane as, as pneumonia, pneumonia, but... Yeah. Was that what that scene at the very end was with him falling in the lake? Was that what that was supposed to be? Was he got pneumonia because he was... Probably, yeah. I mean... That was really weird. Well, they, it's, they were joking around with him that, you know, dance for us, and then he goes and he's like, yeah, I can dance, and he's like, Dancing on the woods, and then he falls into the lake, and it's, it's so weird. It's, yeah, it's, it's dance. It's, that's exactly like that's what I read. It is, but it's very weird, and it doesn't it felt very out of place. It's, I don't it's, know. It's very different, but I mean, that's I assume that's why it's you know the, the button end of the movie. I mean, same with the LaBeouf puking scene thing was very strange, and I didn't understand what the point of that scene was. Oh, I love that scene. When he's in church, those are the one that I really like. The sound in in that scene, that scene is was particular, really like. I was overwhelmed like he exactly, was. Exactly, yeah. Which was that cool. Was, that was very cool. It doesn't serve a huge purpose except to be his like fine his beginning like he begins his relationship with this girl by ruining her tradition that she's doing. But that uh, was weird. I I thought it was cool. I thought it, I thought it was okay. I I I was okay with the scene. But I mean yeah, I I just I feel like Jason Clark's character is just kind of like Howard. His name's Howard yeah. Bondurant. I know his name, and I yeah. guess there's Jack. Well, because they call him by his name the whole yeah, movie. Yeah, Howard. Howard. He, Howard was a really cool character, but he still was just like, he's the muscle the whole way through until that final scene where he has a girl. Did he? Maybe? I don't know. They don't, don't, they don't really tell okay. you. He married and had but, a couple kids. He so, was the first one to get married. Okay, said. so, but... Yeah, I, I guess I guess kind of having their arcs get buttoned up in the last few minutes almost feels tacked on. It, it could be tacked on or sloppy, but at the same time, because of the nature of the movie, I think it works. Because, like I said, this this the movie is like one slice out of these people's lives. That's why it's yeah. interesting. They're not they're not bootleggers by trade necessarily, yeah. and they don't keep doing that. Like it's literally a tiny piece of their lives. It's like 
what, like three, four years out of their lives. And in that way, I think it's interesting because who they were before that and who they are after that are probably totally different. Yeah. So I guess for the duration of what we're seeing played out on screen, they don't necessarily have to have these like big sweeping arcs that change them from one character to, the, and, to another. I mean, these are based on real-life people, and it's not like I can say that my development as a person is necessarily going to be something satisfying for someone to witness, like a third party to witness. True. In the span of... Yeah, but I feel like if you took from about the halfway point of the movie, it it doesn't... This doesn't work properly, but there's something interesting from, from the throat cut scene to the end of the movie, and if you took that bridge conflict and put it in the middle, it would be a weirdly structured movie, but you could talk more about who they've changed into and what the prohibition meant to them. It's just, I... It, obviously, the characters not having arcs didn't bother me very much because I didn't think of it until Willie said it at the beginning of the podcast, but it's just something that, uh, upon looking at, I, I'm a little bit dissatisfied with, and I think it could have been... there. There's, there's more story to tell there if you were trying to adapt this real-life story into something interesting. But like I said, it's like one... It's interesting because it is like one chunk. It is a real-life yeah. story. It's like it's like when we see Lincoln later on the year or whatever, I don't think it's going to be... It's not going to be like a biopic. It's going to be one specific piece of his life. It's going to be like Civil War era Lincoln probably or something like that. I don't think it goes... I know for a fact it doesn't end with his death and the assassination okay. doesn't. And I think it ends with the spoiler alert or something. Oh, I'm just kidding. And uh, yeah, Lincoln died. Uh, <laughs> and it, I don't think I think it's like one specific chunk, which is interesting. I think, but the uh, well, it, I feel it's like, like the, I don't know. It's it's hard using I, the the term arc with this movie is tricky because they didn't. I guess they didn't have like the you know the screenwriting one one definition of an arc, but there was definitely a little beat in like each of the characters where something. Changes Something up. happened that began a yeah. shift in their personality. Like Tom Hardy, I think it's pretty clear from the whole movie that he's just kind of like, he runs the business, he runs everything. And then there's this other element thrown in there that's Jessica Chastain. Yeah. And I think that that causes a shift in his character because when he's running off, you know, with his shotgun to go shoot people at the bridge, he stops to talk to her. And then yep. when, she, when he realizes that something probably happened to her that night, he yeah. freezes in his tracks. And his brother's out there laying on the horn and Shia LaBeouf's yeah. going off at, you know, top speed 30 miles an hour to, <laughs> to the bridge and he stops and is like what you tell me bitch what happened kind of yeah. and I, that was interesting because before he probably would just gone out and then there's not there's nothing really for howard in the movie no there but, is there is there's the moment that he's not there yep there you him. go there's that for him and then for shia it's when his buddy cricket dies and he kind of finally realizes this is serious and like i have screwed up a lot <laughs> And I, I, that's all the. Now that you say that, that's very interesting. I think it would have been better if they had at least the one solid character arc, which should have been, which they were trying to make Shia LaBeouf. But see, like and I don't think you need flat. it. I don't think every, I don't think every movie necessarily has to have that moment. I think it's satisfying to watch a movie once in a while that's different in terms of its characters and. I mean, like, it's weird, because as by the numbers as the movie feels at times, at the same time, it's totally different. Well, it's, it's kind of half in, half out on both of these. Like, you said that it should be, you know, it's a slice of life. Well, if it's a slice of life, then it shouldn't have had the button at the end, Yes, in I mean. my opinion. Or, if, if 
it doesn't it doesn't need to have character arcs, but if it's not going to have them, then don't make Shia LaBeouf's character somebody who's who the whole movie is trying to be something more, and then at the end, kind of don't really pay it off. I mean, you do because he's the one that shoots Guy Pierce, but it's just it wasn't satisfying. See, I, I think mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of little half ideas in there too. Like you can see Shia LaBeouf looking up to Gary Oldman's character. Yeah. And kind of looking up to that that gangster, yeah, like organized crime, yeah, the the inner the the urban gangster type, the the mafia type yeah. guys. You can see him. He starts dressing like that. He starts carrying a gun on him. He starts posing in pictures like he's a tough guy. He wears the that. bullet casing around his neck. Right, but it that, even that doesn't really go. Any, wind up going anywhere. You know, I mean, he, as a as a person, his character never. You know, he never became a tough guy. He never had to learn a lesson about being a tough guy. There was no sort of payoff for that. So I almost don't even know that that was touched upon. Was it just he was getting too big for his britches and his head, or I don't... Well, I think that the payoff was Cricket getting... Because he acted like he was big, you know, big guy, like, on, in the yeah, post. He's showing, he's showing off, off, the, off the still. To the, to, yeah. to the girl. And then Maybe. Cricket gets killed, and I think that that sends home a pretty clear message that it's not the movies. It's, And then I think that probably for his character, I mean, it's strictly inferred, but I think that him shooting and killing a someone probably solidified in his mind that this is something he never wants to do again. Because in the epilogue, he says, I, you know, went back and ran my dad's farm and all that stuff. I think mm-hmm. that he got his taste of mob life and realized yeah. it wasn't for him. It was for Howard and Forrest. They were, they were made of, and he even had a line midway through the movie. Where he says, I know I'm not like you guys. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, that's the first scene in the movie is him not being able to shoot the pig. Yeah. You know. And um And I see that that was a big part of his <laughs> character, but it's funny. Shoot the pig? Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't shoot the pig at the end of the movie or did shoot the pig at the end. <laughs> yeah. Uh I think I can see what you're saying about if it's going to be a slice of their story why why the Don't epilogue. ruin it with the yeah. But that uh, I don't even think ruining it. I I that I'm just It's because even the epilogue he, his voiceover carried it implied that it, he was talking from even further beyond what we were seeing yeah so he said oh uh, you know it was what got for us in the end was this and like we didn't even see that we just see him running away like a bear into the woods we see him possibly <laughs> contracting the n- pneumonia and even then but... it might not have been that yeah. time he yeah. might have taken three bouts of pneumonia to finally kill him <laughs> knowing how invincible he was I, I think there's a lot of interesting stuff in the movie I feel like a lot of it doesn't necessarily pay off as well Norm- as it should normally but... an epilogue like that would probably make me kind of like eh, but I actually like liked it I remember we were seeing the theater and I was like I'm enjoying this even though I feel like I shouldn't well, the, 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 the Tom the Hardy... opposite for me because normally I like the epilogue at the end of the movie but yeah. this time I was like I didn't feel like I needed it. I I just think the Tom Hardy reveal of him being alive makes it all worth it. But well, I think it was. I think the epilogue, they still could have done that though. The yeah. epilogue. Uh, like I, I like. I remember there was there was my screenwriting class was really stupid for the most part, but there was one one little screenwriting rule I took from that, and I think it's so true and it's so good. As they say, it's a lot of screenwriting teachers or whatever they say. When you have your characters, you cut. You start the movie. You cut into their life as far as you can, and you cut out as early as you can. So, like, start your story as far into their life as you can, and leave as early. Like, don't don't make a movie where it's like born to death or anything like that. You want to take that one interesting part and then get in and get out. And I thought the movie was good that the movie started that way. They didn't start with them being like, "Hey, prohibition. Let's all become bootleggers." Like, yeah. it starts that way in the midst of them doing that. Already. Yep, and then. It, I think it, it still did, for the most part, successfully get out early enough because it didn't follow them until their deaths. And I, I kind of liked the fact that it didn't end with, although I thought for sure that 
Tom Hardy and, and Howard were, were going to be dead at the end. Yeah. And then when they weren't, I was like, huh. <laughs> but I was kind of, I don't know, maybe it's because I expected like nothing but just horribleness from, because it's John Hillcoat, I expected just like insane, depressing violence. And yeah. like, it was kind of nice to have an ending that was a little more satisfying that because you kind of are rooting for the characters by the end and just yeah. see like things mostly turn out for them even though they're on the wrong side of the law. It was kind of interesting, kind of weird. It's not a very upbeat movie. I mean, no, in general, yeah. it's certainly not. Oh, but the, like, the two moments, the moments that we thought were actually really cool that I thought, besides the snow ones, like you mentioned, that was mm-hmm. cool. The scene in the church was awesome. I thought we were talking about Shia LaBeouf getting... Yeah. I, mean, I hate that scene. It was so weird. I don't understand why it was in the movie. Have you seen any other John Hillcoat movies? Yeah. Because they all have moments of that weirdness. Yeah, I saw The Road. And yeah, The Road kind of counts because it's pretty straightforward. I haven't seen The Proposition. I've seen The Road. The Proposition has lots of moments. I wasn't like nuts about either. The Road either, though. I like The Road. but uh, Except for... Uh, What's his name? Robert Duvall. <laughs> so good. Um, the scene where they're driving, where he's driving to try to catch up to Tom Hardy and Howard, and that girl is running on the side of the road. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, like that was so cool. <laughs> so well done, because I was like, there's some insane shit that's behind her, I'm sure, whatever she's running from. Indeed, and, uh, it was, it, it it was castration. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they, and like they, that, the shot, yeah. the way it was just like really yeah. shaking and she's screaming and like... It's I was almost like, like out of a horror movie. Yeah, it was really yeah. like jarring. I was like, wow. It makes you cool. wish that more talented filmmakers directed... I mean, it's for me, directed horror films because yeah. like I was freaked out in that scene. I was like, oh my God, what are they yeah. doing? Like, are are they in trouble? Like... Yeah, exactly. You what's didn't know happening? what was... Yeah. That you, was... I thought that was a really cool moment. That was cool. Very cool. I just remember being like... but yeah i mean i i still liked the movie but it's got flaws sure like like any movie does so all right it is not flawless (laughs) (laughs) it still should have been called the wettest county though yeah all right so what do you give it it's marketed real stupid i think they're they're marketing like it's a straightforward like gangster romp and it's totally it's more of a character study for the most part but uh, if I had to give it like a, a numerical rating, give it like a like a out of ten, a report card rating, <laughs> like a like a letter. I yeah, do that and I do numbers. <laughs> <laughs> I'd probably I'd I mean I liked it. I think it it did have some flaws, but overall I was I was I I enjoyed it. And it was funny going into it. I was kind of like eh. yeah. I was like I'm not that excited for it, despite the fact that all all these people I like are in it. Yeah. Um, I'd probably give it a seven out of ten. Okay. Maybe, yeah, probably about a 7 out of 10. I was thinking 7 out of 10 for me as well. 5 out of 10. 5 out of 10? Maybe 5.5. Holy crap. because of the church scene. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't, I didn't, that wasn't that big of a deal. I just, I didn't, I didn't, 5 out of 10 is not that low on my scale, to be completely honest. It's like right down average. You know, Man. so that's like what I gave Born Legacy, and that it wasn't good. <laughs> I would rate like this around the same as I would rate Born Legacy. <laughs> wow. Yeah. This was so much better than Born Legacy. Honest to God. <laughs> wow. Right. How about you? You said seven. Yeah, I, said, I think right. seven's about good. Two sevens and a five, maybe five point five. Yeah. Alrighty. Alrighty. Well, um, I think up next we're gonna have some food for thought, so I'm gonna put in another little break here, so that spoilerless people can just skip over it. So we'll be right back. All right, we're back. 
So this is normally where, where we would talk about some feedback, which you can send to feedback at midwestfilmnerds.com <laughs> if you have any. <laughs> Plug! Uh, but I'm going to send feedback about how Willie's wrong about Lawless. <laughs> <laughs> be sure to you berate will be me. The first. It will be retitled Flawless. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> it wasn't that good. So uh, since, since we're a new podcast once again, we're going to have some food for thought by Willie. All right, fellas. What's what, what you got for us this time? I think we've all had uh, our own nightmare scenarios in theaters. Um, and by nightmare scenario, I mean that guy that won't shut up. Yeah. That phone that just doesn't quit. Yeah. Um, that person who's maybe sleeping on you mm-hmm. next to you that you don't know. Any of these things. What is your worst in theater experience, not caused by the movie itself. I think it's certainly the most recent for me, and probably the worst, in my opinion. Maybe it was just because I was offended at the fact that people would talk during this movie. I went and saw Serenity at the main art at midnight. Mm. Not only was it not film, it was off of a DVD, and it looked really pixelated, and it was bad, but these two guys behind me just wouldn't shut up through the whole movie. And I turned around and I said, could you guys please be quiet? And he was like, oh yeah, sure. And then they kept talking the whole way through. And I think they they just didn't realize that people have hearing so that they can hear things, even though there's something happening on the screen in front of them. (laughs) But What kind of stuff are they talking about? I don't even know. Like, they... I it wasn't obviously wasn't loud enough for me to comprehend what sure, they were saying. But you heard the noise. But but he was still like they were just kind of like bringing up stupid little jokes about things that were happening, people getting you know shanked by the operative and things like that. I mean it it, it was things that should not be joked about. Yeah, and I you know I don't have a problem if you lean over and whisper a joke to your friend, but they they was like it was pretty plain like anybody like we picked the the we won the lottery on that one because it was probably the only place in the theater that you could have heard these th- these two guys talking but it was loud enough to be annoying and i even asked them to stop and and nothing and he just still kept going but lovely other than that i mean we <laughs> surprisingly the fifth time i went and saw the avengers was the worst because <laughs> there were people talking behind us the whole time and then on top of that the dude in front of us had had uh, his phone set up so that the the bright flash on the back of an iPhone 4 went off every time he got oh, a text. Oh, jeez. Like I a just, spotlight, you know? Yeah, it was it was like, hey, look over here, you know, at this movie that you're seeing. But it was the fifth time I saw The Avengers, so I was like, I don't really care that much. Right, right. How many times did you see it all together? Five. Wow. Beat yeah. my record, I think. I, I only paid for it twice myself, so. I've seen it three. It's good. Yeah, I've seen it twice, I think. So we have ten viewings of the 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 Avengers under our belt, and then another five with Gojo. So fifteen. <laughs> wow. <laughs> anyway. Nick. Anyway, what, what about you, Nick? I honestly can't really think of any. I remember awesome theater experiences more than like crap ones, which is weird because usually I would remember the the really horrible experience, but mm, nothing that really uh, sticks nothing out. that really stands out. I'm. Definitely, I mean, there have definitely been numerous occasions over the last several years of cell phone just, like, going off. Sure, or, sure. Or text, which is almost even more distracting when you just see a screen light up, like a lighthouse in front of you, yeah. mm-hmm. a few rows down. I do remember fairly recently... Oh, what was I seeing? 
something where during the trailers a guy kept texting and talking to his people he was sitting next to and like he answered his phone <laughs> during like trailers and it was trailers but at the same time i was like why are you yeah like, i was just like right so now. mad and you and start I was gonna, worrying i wanted about, like is this guy I, gonna be a problem yeah, yeah i guess that's why i was more anxious than anything. but during the movie he was fine because one of his friends finally was like laughing and was like dude cut it out and he was like oh, it's the trailers but <laughs> um tom hardy i'm sorry it was me i'm just kidding no it uh i really can't think of any really horrible theater experience wait well i've got a couple so think on it i can think of like I think of more of like gross ass theaters. Like that's it's what dirty, I can think nasty. of. Like yeah. I used to go to the Star John R all the time. And the last like two or three times I went there, which were a while ago now, the theater was just disgusting. Did you, did you bring your crowbar to pry your shoe off the sticky floor? <laughs> Basically what I needed, yeah. No, yeah. I just left it behind. <laughs> they have like three of my shoes. Yeah, like, we gotta get out of here. No, it's just it was so gross. And I used to see everything there, but it just like yeah. started going downhill that and the theaters are like old and they're all just like that flat that's not stadium seating, seating yeah. yeah so i'm like i have no desire to see movies here anymore but eventually the the floors are just gnarly yeah just like not fun it's like quicksand that's the opposite can't get through <laughs> it <laughs> um i i just have a couple of one i went and saw grindhouse and grindhouse is like ins- an insanely long movie like yeah. you were in the theater for yeah. like almost four hours yep. it was ridiculous mm. and so needless to say, when the trailer for Live Free or Die Hard came on, and I had a guy right directly in front of me scream, Bruce is back at the top of his Didn't lungs. Didn't we see that together, though? Didn't we see Grindhouse together? I'm not sure. No, I think have. you went and saw it with Will. I knew that was going to be a problem. And it was, yeah. because every time a half-naked attractive woman, which if you haven't seen Grindhouse, there's a lot of those in the movie, <laughs> every time one came on screen, he started weirdly, creepily muttering under his breath, oh, she looks so sexy. Oh, she's so hot. Wow. It was really gross. I th- I'm, I was concerned that he was doing things in front of me. <laughs> um, the, <laughs> the only other ones I can, I can remember, um, I went and saw Joe Dirt in the theater. <laughs> and the, uh, Attracts the best crowd possible. Uh, yeah. No, well, this actually wasn't a crowd problem. The projector caught on fire. <laughs> yeah. And we all had to evacuate. Wow. wow that reminds me of a good story. Uh, we all had to get out and we got our money back and whatnot, which... Therefore, I didn't have to pay for Joe Dirt, so not so bad. That's good. And the last one had a pre-screen pass to go see Quarantine. Yeah. Okay. And it was in a theater in an area that's not so friendly a lot of the time. Okay. And I kid you not, before the credits even started rolling, they literally hadn't dimmed the lights down. (laughs) There was a fist fight in the middle of the theater. (laughs) That's so good. And not one or two, not not like just two people involved. Oh, no. Everybody in that row got involved. I mean, (laughs) there were, I'm pretty sure I saw a body fly down the aisle. (laughs) It was horrible. Yeah, that was that was wow. pretty bad, and and it kind of didn't exactly set the mood for watching a movie right afterwards. No, because I was kind of concerned the whole time since they didn't kick the people out. That's horrible. They made them move across the theater. I'm like, okay, that's gonna help. I'm gonna split you guys up. Yeah, Sit you guys in this be nice now. I yeah. mean, come on, kick them out anyway. Ooh, I remember your projector story reminded me. <laughs> I forgot this ever happened until just now. My mom took my brother and I when we were kids 
I think to go see Mighty Ducks 2 in the theater, and instead they started playing The Ghost in the Darkness. <laughs> it's really weird. <laughs> and the movie started, and we were like, what is this? And it was just like... Val Kilmer shooting lions and stuff. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we stayed in it for like a minute or two before we were like, nah. I think it was a Mighty Ducks That's movie. very funny, actually. Mighty Ducks movies starting off pretty I think dark. it was a Mighty... I think it was something like that. <laughs> Where's Emilio? <laughs> But um, That's and then funny. I also remember when my dad took, uh, when me and my dad and my brother went to go see Return of the Jedi when they re-released it in '97. Um, we saw it at the Covadas in Westland, and the screen had like a, had like spit wads on it that you could see, <laughs> and there was like a rip in the screen, like on the left side. It was just, a, and we were the only three people in the theater, and it was just like the net, that theater was had had been on its way out for a long time, but that particular screen, it was just like, woof. Wow. It was so bad. I remember, I remember even at that age just being like, this blows. <laughs> yeah. No. Man, I know I have like good stories about crowds being bad. I mean, like, we all have being the talkers. People. I just can't yeah. remember. We all have talkers and crying babies at some point. Cell phones going I have up. like those a are reverse. I have the best like reverse theater experience story ever. I think you might know what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> Dawn of the Dead. No. No? No. I was going to say Lockout, because you oh, and well, I were yeah. the only two yeah. in the theater. Well, and but... also, when, when, when Rambo came out in 08 or whatever that was, me, John, Tony, and Alex were the only four people in the theater for a while, and then two guys showed up mm. midway through. And we only know because we turned around and saw them back there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, no, this is a good story, and I hope Alex doesn't mind me telling it. Uh, Gojo. When Dawn, Dawn of the Dead was, what, 04? Mm-hmm. When Dawn of the Dead came out, we all went to the theater to see a big group of us, and... There were a whole bunch of people in the theater. It was awesome. And I we do sitting, know the story. But <laughs> we were sitting moderately, first third of the theater, like yeah. pretty close to the screen. And it was during that first really intense scene where, I mean, there's a couple, but there's the scene where they're in the mall, and it's when Jake Weber is in like the sporting goods store, and he's looking around for whatever, and then he sees that employee's only door is locked, and the music starts to fade in, all the horror movie starts to sh- uh, stuff starts to happen. And uh, he grabs like a croquet mallet and he sees the shadow like moving underneath the door and the music just like it, everything just starts to fall into place for this perfect horror movie moment. And then the tension's building and he's creeping closer to the door and the shots are getting a little bit longer, waiting for the eventual release. And it's like, it's quiet in the theater. Like there's, it's just before it's going to happen. And Alex just busts out the loudest like couch ripping fart just echoes through the theater and a whole bunch of people in the back just start laughing, and Alex just fist pumps one fist up in the air, That's and just totally shattered the moment. And we were just laughing. I mean, like a whole bunch of us were laughing, and then like the climax of the scene hit, and a zombie jumps out. But we're just like laughing because Alex just ripped a That's hole incredible. right in the middle of the seat. It was so funny. Wow. And uh, <laughs> oh man, that just will stand out in my memory. It's just the most ridiculous. That's great. So many people in the theater acknowledged it. Like it was weird. That's good. Yeah, it was really funny. It was like perfect. It was like he'd been waiting the whole time. Like, I got this fart waiting on deck. And I'm <laughs> waiting for the right moment. It. Yeah, it's like that real good firework you save for the right moment on 4th of July. It's perfect. Yeah, it was funny. Um, one more. Okay. How about a movie that you were dragged to? You, did, you weren't planning on going and seeing it. Okay. But somebody wanted to go see it or somebody, a girl asked you to go see it or mm-hmm. something. Any of those scenarios. You weren't going to go see it that you were dragged to, that you actually wound up being very happy you oh, went and saw. I thought you were going to go the opposite way. <laughs> that you were very happy you went and saw. 
And I can start things off. Yeah, please do. I have a couple real quick. Okay. Recent ones. Um, actually, Alex, you were kind of the reason I went to both of these, so thank you. <laughs> Tron. Okay. Legacy. All right. I had, if you hadn't have been so pumped for it, I would have had no intention in go of going and seeing it. Mm -hmm. um, I hadn't seen the original Tron in years, yeah. so I'm not a huge fan of the lore or anything. Mm -hmm. And boy, am I happy I went and saw that in the theater. I walked out of that theater going, now I get where 3D can actually work. Yeah. You know, and that was kind of cool. Kind of yeah. cool feeling. Besides being a little dizzy and a little bit... Yeah, but you 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 guys were on like the end of the row, which so didn't help. It didn't line it did up not very help. well, but but it, that was a very cool experience. And then um, this year, John Carter, John which Carter, yeah, I think I was like most of the world and saw the marketing and said this looks like nothing I'm in, and I like sci-fi, yeah. But even I was like, I don't get this. Yeah. What is this? What, you know, I've heard of the story and stuff. But yep. Why? Why? And. You had gone and seen it because you were like, you know what? I have this feeling. Yeah, Nick and I were both like... Yeah, yeah. There's something about this that's going to work. Yeah. And lo and behold, you know. So I'm just yeah. waiting for 2013, whatever movie you're going to... Because this <laughs> is two years in a row yeah. now that you've, you I, haven't done me wrong. There's so. going to be one movie where I'm like, we got to go see this. Uh, yes. So I'm we'll just see. waiting. And we'll it's see. not going to be Resident Evil... <laughs> Revolution. No, I don't. I don't. I don't care about that one. So. so that's not. Don't. Yeah. No. Um. Yeah, I'm trying to think. There's got to be a good case. I think there's something that I've been dragged to where I was like, "This is pretty awesome." But I, I, I. Or even a movie that you're. Let's say. At least I know with my parents, they were always like, "Oh, you got to watch this. It's a great movie. It's a great movie." And the whole time mm. you're going, "I don't want to watch this." I remember. And that. then you watch it and you go. The Usual Suspects. Yeah, they were right. Usual Suspects? Yeah, when we were younger, we were at the video store, and we wanted, um, Tony and I wanted something, and our mom was like, oh, the, which is weird, because it's totally not my mom's type of movie, but she was like, the Usual usual Suspects, and we were like, mom. Sounds so boring. <laughs> we don't know anything about movies. It was these five guys standing in a lineup, like a bunch of dorks, but, uh, and then we were, when it was over, we were just sitting there like, ah. Yeah. And she was like, told you. That's awesome. I always love it when my parents prove me wrong on fun things. Like yeah. That, you know. It's rare. I proved my parents wrong on a movie one time. little unrelated bit of a story, but fun nonetheless. Um, I was up real late last night, past or last night, one night, <laughs> not last night. Um, I hopped into the time machine. Past <laughs> my bedtime. And um, my parents kind of wanted me to go to bed, and, and they were going to watch a movie. And um, From Dust Till Dawn came on. Mm. And this is when this first came on cable. Mm. And... They will still tell this story to this day because they still apologize to me about this. <laughs> I was like, Mom, Dad, I want to stay up and watch this. It's a vampire movie. And they knew I loved horror movies as a kid. And once they got over the fact that I was like a little kid that loved horror movies, they were like, you yeah. know what? Obviously, it's not messing him up in the head. So not bad enough anyway. <laughs> so I'm like, Mom, I want to watch this. It's a vampire movie. And, and, and if the first half of From Dust Till Dawn is not a vampire movie. It's like a Quentin Tarantino gangster yeah. movie. And they're like, no, it's not. You need to go to bed. This is not a vampire movie. You're being ridiculous. <laughs> to the point where, like, I was, like, my dad was, like, getting mad. Because he's like, no, you're going to bed. You're being ridiculous. You know, go to bed. It's not a vampire movie. <laughs> so I go to bed, and I'm laying there in bed. And I, I, I don't even know how, I can't even tell you how I knew this was a vampire movie. But at some point, yeah. I had figured this out. And I'm laying there in bed, and I'm just waiting. I'm like... I'm going to hear screaming, horrible screaming and stuff at some point from the TV. And that's when I'm, I'm going to know that they know I was right. And sure enough, you know, it's just like that bloodbath scene in, in the movie. And uh, 
it's just going crazy. And about five minutes later, my dad walks in the room and he goes, Willie, are you awake? And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, I just want to tell you, I'm so sorry. You can come back out and watch the rest of the movie. <laughs> it was the funniest thing. And th- th- he, he was just like, he felt so bad about that. So I totally proved my parents wrong. You know, okay, I got mine. Back in 2007, I was still in high school. I was actually a, a, a junior at the time. You're such a baby. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> dating, like, my first, like, real girlfriend. She's like, I want to go see Stardust. Yeah. yeah. Stardust. And With, uh, I was De like, I remember when I convinced you to go see that. Claire Danes. Claire Danes. <laughs> yeah, you remember this, Nick? Yeah. We held hand. No. Uh, and I was just like, I, I was like, okay, yeah, fine, it looks cool, whatever. And we went and saw it. I, I love awesome that movie. movie. It's yeah. a very cool movie. And uh, you know, I think a lot of people are t- still today would be like, Stardust, really? But no, it's. And everyone I know that's seen it, even like the manliest of men who want to put on this guise, of they're like, yeah, I like Stardust, it's a good movie. <laughs> they try not to say they like a I've movie I've heard this Stardust. from a lot of people. You've never seen it? But I've never seen Dude, it. Dude, it's awesome. You should watch it. It's it's a very good movie. Robert De Niro's like a gay space pirate or something like that? Yep. Oh, that sucks that you know that already. Yep. It's so much better when you don't know. Yeah. But <laughs> anyway, but... It's, it's okay, awesome. interesting. Space interesting. Pirate. Sky, Sky Pirate. Sky Pirate. Yeah, it was... It, it, Sky I Boss. honestly... That, <laughs> That movie, <laughs> Sky Boss. We'll get to Sky Boss at some point, but no, I, I, I walked into that movie and I was like, okay, yeah, fine, you know, going to see a movie with my girlfriend, and then I was like, this is really cool. So that's very cool. It's always nice to get those. It doesn't happen very often. No. So usually when you're dragged to a movie, like I was dragged to some. Movie you're gonna hate it even Rules if it is of a attraction. Good movie. I got dragged to. Yeah. And I know a lot of people like that movie, but. I'll tell you what, I was miserable. <laughs> I can think of more more stories where I've been dragged to a movie and I and didn't, didn't like it. Of course, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. But anyway, okay, cool. Usually the stories where, like, there's been a lot of times where I've dragged people to the movies and they ended up, like, we ended up having a good time. Like, I remember I dragged people to see Hot Rod, I dragged people to see Dodgeball, I dragged people to see Batman Begins, Yeah. I dragged people to see Smoke and Aces. All movies that I was geeked for and a lot of my other friends, usually Gojo, were kind of like, eh, they were kind of like, eh, alright, I guess. I do remember being, like, dating my girlfriend senior year of high school, and she was, like, obsessed with Pirates of the Caribbean, and I hadn't seen it. And I was like, eh. She was like, we should watch it. Oh, my God, it's so good. And I was like, all right. And then we ended up watching it, and I was, like, totally into it. Yeah. And I remember just enjoying it so much, and I've since watched it, like, a million times. Yeah. Like, you know, at the video store and yep. whatnot. And that's a great movie. And what's and funny is one of the movies, the home video ones, like, our parents wanting us to watch mm-hmm. something like Your Usual Suspects. Most of those have become my favorite movies of all time. Like, like, my dad made me watch Blade Runner. Okay. And I was yeah. like, I want to watch this. It looks boring. I remember when I was a kid, my my grandma had the VHS of The Goonies, and she was like, The Goonies is great. And I was like, Grandma, shut up. What do you know? <laughs> and then when I'm watching The Goonies, would be like, Oh my God, this is so good. You're just mesmerized. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. That's awesome. Uh, See, it's trust your elders when it comes movies, to movies. Yeah, That's movies true. that came out before, like you were, were before where you're at you like just think because it's old it's gonna suck yep. Yep. and I, the, the sad thing is like there are so many grown adults that think that way because working at the video store what's a good movie and then you name like an old movie and they're like when's that from the 90s it's bullshit I don't want to watch it it's old <laughs> yeah, it must that does suck happen a lot. all yeah. the time like like 40 year old adults it's too bad like don't know they're not even willing to go out on a limb and try something and like that's that's the beauty of like movies and the the sad thing about video stores disappearing like showing up to the video store and just browsing and just finding that one random thing that picks your interest for some reason and taking it home and watching it i mean netflix 
Netflix now, it just caters to the idea. It's like just shuffle. You can yeah. start a movie, and if you don't like, immediately you're not sucked into it. You just back out and try something else. It's like back in the day of the video store. You made a, 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 a you made financial a commitment yeah. to renting that and movie. You you're darn sure going to watch it. Yeah, exactly. You're like, I might as well finish it. And the odds are decent that it'll be, you know, good. Yeah. All right. All righty. Well. I remember being dragged to watch The Happening on TV. <laughs> not so good. Being like, <laughs> not so good. Vomit in my mouth. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, there were a few in my in my like middle school days that the crazies the group of friends were like hey let's go let's go and watch this like i can i got like cellular and and uh the forgotten the forgotten was oh a, the forgotten the forgotten was a great theater story because we had this like like older lady like just back behind us to the left and any time that like even if it was in the commercials anytime somebody got like swept away or whatever you just had like the loudest i'm going to take off my headset for a second you had the loudest it was like oh <laughs> it made the movie like actually worth seeing it was but, funny yeah it was amazing like she she totally made the movie but next time you got to do a food for thought for like best theater experiences because i can think of oh, yeah, so many like that's that's on the list absolutely so. phenomenal and that's on the oh, list there was one well gojo's fart story is definitely classic yeah all right well we're just about at the end of our time here so uh i think we'll wrap it up you can find uh myself on twitter at john d1703 and you can find actual links to these on our website willie is at chemo williak and nick is at nick blauvelt uh music and art is brought to you by my brother at mr john on twitter so go check him out say hi tell him that you love the song and uh, as I said earlier, questions, comments, and whatever can be sent to feedback at midwestfilmroots.com. I think that's about it for today, so uh, go watch a movie. 